Sales. 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 And for like an entrepreneur, not forget a salesperson. How about just an entrepreneur who's looking to start a business? Well, if you can't sell, if you can't influence, if you can't persuade, good luck trying to get your business off the ground. I'm not talking about just your customers. I'm talking about the bankers, the people of venture capitalists, your vendors, your credit card processor, the people who work for you. How do you get people to work for you excited? How do you get them excited? How do you get them to want to buy into your vision? At the highest level, what sales really is, it's the transference of emotion. And the emotion you're transferring is this emotion of certainty. That someone feels certain, yeah, it's a good thing, it's going to help me, it's going to fill my need. When you're an entrepreneur and you're trying to start a business and you're recruiting people, well, you're selling people on your vision for the future, your vision for this company. And if you can't do that, good luck trying to get great people to work for you. It's very, it's almost, it's nearly impossible, which is why you always see, you know, the people, if they say, oh, he's a visionary. Well, that's true, but typically not only are they visionaries, they also possess the ability to sell the vision to other people, to inspire them, to motivate them. So selling is not just like, you know, people think of selling, oh, well, I'm not a salesman, I don't need to, well, yes, you do. You need to learn how to influence. How about trying to get your kids to make their bed or do their homework or believe in the value of education? How about trying to get a landlord to give you a, a reduction on your rent or to extend the lease the way you want? How about trying to negotiate terms? You, you understand, it's, it cuts to everything. You need to be able to sell, whether it's Kickstarter, whether it's New York Times, whether it's your local newspaper, you need to be able to communicate effectively and sell, which is why when entrepreneurs ask me for books to read outside of business books, I say, on writing well, bird by bird, all books on writing, improving communication. Uh, David Ogilvy, Ogilvy on advertising, study print ads where you have very little space. I think those are all very, very effective. The best entrepreneurs I've ever met are all good communicators. It's the one, perhaps one of the very few unifying factors. They're exceptional communicators. Practice is the only way to get better at communicating. And practicing speaking does not provide you generally with something to review later, which is why the written word is so powerful. Yeah. Writing is thought crystallized on a piece of paper that can then be reviewed. It's very difficult to do that with speech, which is why I recommend people focus on honing their skills in writing. And Take time to study good direct response ads. Take time to, for instance, maybe develop a swipe file. So one of the things that I did for years is anytime I bought something, I would identify the ad, the phone call, the print ad, the, the offer, whatever it was mm -hmm. that made me decide to buy it. Mm -hmm. And I would either cut it out or record it, put it into Evernote, whatever it might be, and save it. So I had a record of everything that I bought and why I bought it. And then I could go back and review it, and I'd be like, oh, looks like I fell for this, this, and this. Not in a bad way, but yeah. it looks like this tipped me from, eh, or not interested to, yeah, I'll spend five, fifty, five hundred, five thousand dollars $5,000 on that. Yeah. I save all that. Everything that works in sales has been done already. You do not need to reinvent the wheel. So just keep track of the crap that you buy, or the awesome stuff that you buy, and decide. You know, what was the trigger? What pushed me over the edge? And then just sell to people like you. That's what I do. It's really easy. People are like, who's your market? I'm like, well, you know, I'm a 30-something, SF-based, tech-savvy male, so why don't I just sell to those people? That makes it a lot easier than trying to guess. Austin, I think you need to reverse engineer who you're selling to. So if I were you, Austin, I would spend all of January taking people out to lunch and dinner 
or a drink or getting them on the phone but literally spending the entire month of January not selling to people and just listening to the people that you sell to to figure out what their pain points are. I would walk in and be like, hey DRock, you know I sell you computer stuff and things of that nature. What are your pain points? What's your problem? What's your struggles in your business? Like, let's, let's cut the crap. Like, yes, I wanna sell to you, but let's take a step back. I wanna sell to you by providing you some sort of value. Maybe I have a friend. Maybe I will recommend that you watch the Ask Gary V show to make your business better. Maybe I'll do a lot of things, but what I'm doing is I'm providing you value and our conversation and our relationship is not just predicated on, on me selling. You know, it's kind of like uh, I was talking to one of my friends. He's like, I wanna have better relationships with girls. I'm like, cool, why don't you make it something about other than sex? Like if your whole relationship is like, I wanna hang out with you every time to just hook up, there's probably a good chance that person doesn't think that you're providing them much value outside of that execution, which is a fine execution, everybody needs it, I get it, blah, blah, blah. Same way I think about sales. If you're just selling every single time, that is what your foundational relationship is based on. And you become spam and sales all the time. Why don't you spend all of January not selling ever once and opening your ears and listening and trying to help even outside of the context of you? even out of the, outside the context of you. Meaning, how can you help them besides just their business? Maybe you'll get to know D-Rock and find out that his aunt is a huge Dallas Cowboys fan and you just get a Dallas Cowboys hat. Say, hey, you go to eBay and buy a, you know, a Tony Dorsett opened starting lineup for 49 cents, $3 shipping, but you send and say, hey, give this to your aunt. It's not what you spent, it was the thought. That stuff matters. Top salespeople commit themselves to lifelong learning. This, by the way, changed my life so dramatically when I was 24, almost like I tripped over something and picked myself up and it was a great treasure. And the treasure was that your mind is your most precious asset. And the quality of your thinking determines the quality of your sales career. If you commit yourself to lifelong learning, you will achieve such extraordinary success. And I cannot emphasize this too often. Read, listen to audio programs, attend seminars, and never forget that the most valuable asset you will ever have is your mind. As you continue to learn, you'll eventually become one of the most valuable salespeople in your company. The more knowledge you acquire that can be applied to practical purposes, the greater will be your rewards and the more you will be paid. To see the clouds. This is about rainmaking, about sales. These are the things I learned about sales. First thing is, let 100 flowers blossom. This I stole from Chairman Mao, although it's not clear to me he implemented letting 100 flowers blossom. 100 flowers blossoms means that at the start of a company, you'll often see your people who are not your intended customers using your product or service, and they're gonna be using it in ways you didn't anticipate. Many entrepreneurs go crazy. My God, the wrong people are buying our products in large quantities. What are we doing wrong? Let's get marketing and sales in here. We need to reposition the product because we know who should buy our product. Well, that's categorically stupid. Fundamentally, when you see this happening, first of all, take the money. Take the money. There's two theories in engineering for revising a product. One is you go to the people who aren't buying your product and you ask them, why aren't you buying our Macintosh, Mr. Fortune 500 CIO? And the CIO will say, you don't have a letter quality printer driver. You don't have Lotus 1, 2, 3. You come back to the lab, you convince Lotus to do it, you get a letter quality printer driver, you go back to the Fortune 500 CIO, you say, all right, we listened. Now there's a printer driver, now there's one, two, three. They still won't buy it. They still won't buy it. The other theory in engineering is you go to the people who are buying your product, Mr. Desktop Publishing or Ms. Desktop Publishing, why are you buying our product? Because it's WYSIWYG, because it's high resolution printing. 
So you come back to the labs and you say, wow, people are buying our product to use it for desktop publishing, not spreadsheet, database, and word processing like we intended. And what do they need for desktop publishing system? They need bigger monitors. They need higher resolution printers. They need higher resolution monitors. They need all these things to make desktop publishing better. That's my theory. Fix for who's buying. Ignore the people who are atheists. Atheists are too hard to convert to your religion. Go for agnostics and go for believers. Forget the atheists. Second point is, you need to enable people to test drive your product. That you're saying to them, I think you're smart, and because I think you're smart, I'm not gonna bludgeon you into becoming my customer. Take home my product, take home my service, try my software, try my website, then you decide. The third point is to suck down. One of the fundamental shortcomings of sales training is that you think, or many people think, that selling a new product is about sucking up. You need to suck up to CXO level people, suck up to a CIO, suck up to a CTO, suck up to a CEO, a CMO, sucking up to CXO level people. It has been my experience that particularly from a tech startup, the people who truly make the decision to try a product or service are not the people with CXO, vice president or director level title. They are the people who are administrative aides and database administrators and tech support people. They're the interns, they're the summer hires. They're people without titles. They're the people who really do the work, however. And so if you wanna be successful in sales, you have to understand something, that in most organizations, the higher you go, the thinner the oxygen, and therefore the more difficult it is to find intelligent life, right? <laughs> so, if you dedicate yourself in a sales effort to sucking up, you'll be sucking up to the dumbest people in the organization. You need to learn to suck down, and you need to learn to suck across, because that's where the decisions are made for a high-tech startup. Suck down, suck across, don't just suck up. And this is the one where everyone goes, oh, I don't want to be a salesperson, right? Uh, one of the things that we do in our business is we take uh, experts and we teach them how to package their information up into products like ebooks and other information products and sell them. Well, when I start talking to these experts, almost universally, they say things like, I've got all the content. I just need to find someone who can market and sell it for me. And when I say to them, well, you know what would probably be good for you is to actually learn some marketing and sales, they go, oh, I don't want to learn. I'm, I'm not a salesman. They kind of like look down at salespeople mm -hmm. like it's some like lower form of human business scum or something like that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, you imagine, oh, okay, I have to put on a funky, like a weird suit and like a windbreaker, like a car salesman <laughs> in order to sell my product. I would never want to do that. Well... When you really learn sales, as I know you know, because you're, very, you're a fantastic salesperson, that the best selling methods are consultative selling, mm -hmm. where you don't sit down and try to talk someone into buying. You sit down and you say, let me ask you some questions. Let me learn about you and find out what all your problems are, and let me see if what I have is even a fit. And then, once you've found out where they're at, what their problems are, what all the challenges they're facing are, and what they'd like to accomplish, then you sell solutions, you sell uh, them fixing their problems. You sell them getting what they want, not your thing. And the best of the best of the best salespeople are the ones that walk in and sit down and ask a bunch of questions and then say, my product can't help you. Let me refer to some, you know, refer you to someone who can. Because those are the people that win the trust and that when they say, this is the thing that will solve your problem, the prospect says, 
that's the thing I need because they're trustworthy. So learning consultative selling and really learning how to sell like a professional is very important. Do not try to sell something that you wouldn't buy yourself, okay? So if you don't truly think it's something that you would yourself be a customer of, don't try to pitch it, you know, don't be a used car salesman. So please make sure that whatever you're trying to come up with is compelling enough that you would yourself deeply be deeply interested in buying that product. I spent 17 years getting a formal education. Competition's good, competition's healthy. For who? Imagine if you were the only marketing company in the world. Is that better than having millions of marketing companies? Exactly. I, I wanna own the sector. I want to own the sector. I want somebody, when somebody thinks about sales training, I want them to equate Grant Cardone. And whatever I have to spend to get there, I'll spend to get there. I want to own the sector completely. I don't want to compete in it. So one way you could own a sector is by tweeting, okay? If you're not tweeting or Facebooking or YouTubing, okay, or using LinkedIn, if you aren't using these free mediums to communicate to the world, you're not in the game, man. You're not in the game, okay? Now, this morning, if you look at my Twitter account today, because this is more than just about selling and closing a transaction. If I don't have anybody to pay attention to me, I can't sell or close. Would you agree? Yeah. Look, there's nobody here, man. Hey, man, I'm a good salesman. I can shut you down right now. Who am I talking to? Myself? I need people, Obscurity, obscurity is the biggest problem your business has. There is no bigger problem than obscurity. It's not money, it's not financing, it's not price, it's not value, it's not package. It is one thing, obscurity. All those media programs that you saw me on this morning, they all tell you that there's not enough money, the banks aren't loaning, consumers don't have confidence, people aren't healthy, the economy's in trouble. Dude, none of those are the problem. The problem is... Nobody knows you. I don't know you, man. I don't know you. Who are you? Right? Price doesn't matter at this point. Value doesn't matter at this point. The package, the offer, the problems. I don't know you. If you don't know me, you can't buy my books. Obscurity is a bigger problem than money, okay? So I'll go broke just trying to get out of obscurity, and I'm going to use these free mediums to do so. They did a study at Harvard of the, the different levels of you know, sales techniques that were the most in you know, top sales guys in the world and, and women used versus those that were average. They went through several steps about getting rapport, about understanding the client's needs, you know, about you know, being able to uh, demonstrate the, the, the features and benefits of the product and, and going through overcoming objections and then closing the sale. And you know, they looked at it, and what was surprising was that the people who were the absolute cream of the cream, the top 1% of the top 1% of salespeople on the planet, did exactly the same steps as those who were average. The difference was that those that were exceptional focused on the first part, which is being able to build rapport, being able to understand the client's needs. In other words, there was a sincere level of appreciation for what the client wanted. The intention that was set, the congruency that was set was, you know, how can I serve you? How can I understand you, not how can I sell to you? In other words, how can I contribute rather than how can I take? Now, here's what's interesting. The people that 
focused more on that, spent far less time on the closing and overcoming objections. It was almost a natural progression of the sale. Those that spent less time on building rapport and understanding the client's needs and creating the relationship of trust based upon a level of sincerity, appreciation, and authenticity of who they were, those that you know, spent less time on that and got through to the sale or got through to trying to close the sale had to spend more time on overcoming objections and closing techniques to make up for a lack of authentic connection and wanting to add value to the clients. That makes sense? You don't have to learn better closing techniques unless you focus on being less than authentic about adding value to the client. Hello? Yeah, so going on sales training is usually a substitute and a poor substitute for coming to the table from a place where you say, you know something, I am willing to let this sale go if I sincerely and every core of my being, every cell in my body vibrates the fact that this really isn't the best product or you know, type of, of, of deal for the client. If you can come to the table from that place, rather than be hooked on the fact that your manager has given you a sales target and you need to make you know, a close this Friday, then by you know, contrast, by you know, paradox, your sales tend to go up. You spend less time prospecting because the people that you do connect with have such a level of, of trust and appreciation for what you've done and how you work with them, they're far more likely to recommend you. So your referral bank starts building. Now, if you can come from a place of authenticity and sincerity, I guarantee you, you, you spend time there, not just your clients, not just your prospects, not just your, your potential sales uh, will start to increase, but the richness of who you are comes out. And that's in your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your kids, your relationship with, with everybody. People want to do business with you rather than people are being convinced to do business with you. Make sense? Go out this week and try that. Go out this week and say, you know something? Before I walk into that meeting, I'm gonna sit there for a minute or two and just connect and think, you know, I, is my intention pure? Am I gonna come from a place of adding value? And if I walk into that meeting understanding that you know, this has to match this, how am I gonna show up differently? And I think you might be surprised at what happens. Now, of course, ladies and gentlemen, everything is selling and everybody is a salesperson. Whether you're a dentist, a doctor, a preacher, a teacher, a coach, a child, a music manager, doesn't make any difference what it is that you do. Everybody is a salesperson. Let me share a couple of examples with you of what I'm talking about. When I was between the 11th and 12th grades, uh, during uh, World War II, I went to junior college so I could pick up some extra classes so I could get in the Naval Air Corps. All right. Now, I had to pick up an extra course in history in order to graduate. And so I would be free then the following my senior year to take a lot of extra math and science. Well, I didn't want to take American history. What possible good is it going to do me, uh, you know, to learn something that happened 100 years ago or 200 years ago? But I had to learn it, so I was going to go in there, and I was at least going to pass. But don't think I'm going to try to remember it. I'll just transfer the knowledge from the teacher to my mind to the pad, and then I'll get out of there, and they'll end it. But the teacher threw me a curve. He was coached Joby Harris at Hines Junior College in Jackson, Mississippi. And you're talking about a salesman, folks. He was a salesman. He spent that entire first period selling me on why I had to learn my 
history. He really put the story on me. He also sold me that as an individual, if I had any ability that permitted me to do more than support my family, that I had a moral obligation to my fellow human being and my community to donate some of my services for the betterment of mankind. I walked out of that classroom that day a history major. Only subject I made consistent A's in throughout the time I was in college. What I do today in all of the activities outside of my actual business was directly, emphatically influenced by that salesman, a school teacher, Coach Toby Harris. Everything is selling. I'll never forget when our second daughter was born. Our first child was three uh, years old at the time. And I'd been out on the road not long after our baby uh, brought, came home from the hospital. I'd been out on the road and I got stuck. There was a snowstorm and I spent the night in a Greyhound bus, fortunately, on the side of the road. When I got in the next morning, I was exhausted. There was about 10 inches of snow on the ground. And I'd no sooner walked in and just had my top coat and my gloves and my hat off when the redhead said to me, Well, honey, uh, we got to go to the store. We, got, we need some things. So I reluctantly put all the gear back on. And my three-year-old said, Daddy, I want to go. And I said, oh, Susie, I said, the weather's too bad. It's too cold and wet, and uh, I won't be gone long. But she said, Daddy, I'll be so lonely. I said, oh, Susie, you won't be lonely. I said, your mother's here. The maid's here. Your baby sister is here. I said, you won't be lonely. She looked right at me, and she said, but, Daddy, I'll be lonely for you. I don't need to tell you she went to the store with me. You see, the truth of the matter is, the truth of the matter is everything is selling. The third example, at our church, we recently got a new music minister. Now, please understand uh, that I've got the kind of voice that uh, prompted Mitch Miller to write me a personal letter asking me not even to bother to sing along with. And, I, you know, I want you to understand it. My own children asked that I not sing in church. But last Sunday was our first Sunday, and this minister had the congregation so excited. He sold them so much on participating. Now, he knows his music, too. But he had us so gung-ho that for the first time in my life, I actually enthusiastically got involved in the singing process. Everything, ladies and gentlemen, is, is selling. I mean, everything is selling. And that's one of the reasons that I'm so excited about it. Thank you guys so much for watching. I'd love to know which of the videos resonated the most with you. Leave it in the comments below. I'd also love to know either what your biggest sales challenge is right now or what your biggest sales advice would be or both leave in the comments below i'm going to join in the discussion thank you so much for watching continue to believe and i'll see you soon